Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Are we, are we any apologies and the absence and declaration of interest? <coughs> We've had apologies oh, from the Councillor Jones, Chair. Right. And then the minutes of the previous meeting, let's go back to January. 
Is everybody happy that these are a true record? On that basis, I will sign them in due course. How is this going to work, um, Richard or, or Ben? Well, that's one for Ben. I, I don't know. I, I Thank you, Chair. Um, we, we will just sign them at the earliest opportunity. Okay. Then we move on to item three, which deals with the audit fees. Now there is this letter, which isn't dated, uh, to the Section 151 officer from Tony Crawley. And then there have been two additional letters, one from PSAA dated also from Tony Crawley also. Oh, it's 30th of April, which basically says that our audit fee for 2021 should remain the same as it was for 1920. And then there is a letter from our auditors dated the 26th of May, which basically says that's okay, but I, we, we want some more money. On page two, valuation of PPE, 3,700, valuation of, L, of the pension liability, 1,100, and group audit, 1,910. 1, um, Adrian, have you, you've probably seen, you've obviously seen these letters. Have you got any comments to make? Um, no, David's, David's now joined us. I don't know if David wants to summarise the BDO position. Um, right. I'm ha happy to, if that's okay with the Chairman. Yes, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you're all doing well. Um, there's, so there's, your, there's, beer, your beer is not as good as Richard's, though. <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep coming. It gets irritating, but uh, not as irritating as my, my uh, youngest son's hair, which was overdue for a haircut as we went into lockdown, and it's now massively overdue. So <laughs> I'm still with that. Um, so anyway, yes, there, there, there are two letters uh, from PSAA. Um, one way back in um, on the 12th of December last year, basically saying, effectively, they, they changed their position on um, understanding the position relating to fees and quality and recognising the fact that things have moved on somewhat from um, the position where uh, they, they, they base their scale fees on. So saying that, that um, auditors were having to change their work programmes, of course, we've been actually trying to do that over a number of years, but it's really sort of um, climaxed very recently. Um, so uh, auditors have changed their work programmes and we are doing considerably more and in a very different way to the position as at, say, 2012-13, uh, which is when scale fees were actually introduced. And I'm sure... Um, you'll you'll recognise, and I think I touched upon this um, when we when we talked about this back in January, that uh, our approach to certain things like, for example, valuation of property, plant equipment, pensions, and so forth, uh, and in fact groups has changed markedly since that point. So, working backwards, um, you didn't have a group um, that many years ago, so that was never envisaged within the scale fee. Pensions we require significantly more challenge of. Um, the assumptions being made, um, there are sort of fairly significant movements and assumptions, so expectations there. And finally, in terms of property and equipment, um, way back in dim and distant history, uh, we were able to simply take values reports and extract the figures from that, and uh, we, we, were, we were complete. Uh, but now are now significantly more expectations in that respect from uh, inputs and assumptions and um, various other sort of challenges that we have to do. So things have moved on 
quite significantly, and they just are not reflected in the scale fee. So that's the, that's a bit of a context. That's really what what PSA were trying to say um, back in December last year. They've written more recently um, to replace auditors' requirements to issue uh, a fee letter at the very beginning of the financial year. Um, so basically, looking forward to twenty twenty one, and um, they've uh, explained within that document. Um, a number of factors, one of which is that, that actually things are going to change anyway because there is a new code of audit practice that's come in which has different expectations in terms of user resources and uh, different expectations in terms of reporting. But that's something which they can't quantify at the moment because the guidance hasn't finished. I'm part of the development group for that, so uh, as soon as I know something, I can, I can let you know. Um, but it's heading towards um, uh, a greater scope and a more senior input in terms of the, the use of resources Partly because um, that will give you uh, a better sort of a better product, really, a better, better added value in terms of um, things that are developing uh, as they develop rather than afterwards. But also um, trying to move away from this very narrow scope of work that we've had uh, in, in recent years. The other factor they've reiterated, uh, and I've made reference to that in, in BDO's paper, is that their expectation uh, one, one, one the scale fee for twenty twenty one is exactly the same as 1920. But critically, it doesn't reflect any of the issues that we are talking through with you now and other auditors are talking through with all the other bodies in, in the country about uh, this, this difference of quality expectations and different work programmes. So effectively, they're telling you what the scale fee is, but the scale fee hasn't reflected these things that we're talking about now um, from 1920, nor have they reflected the code audit. So... Coming back to our specific issues for Uttlesford, um, what we have tried to do, uh, rather than try and give a sort of a blanket area, and I know some auditors uh, have, have simply written and said, we want an extra 10,000 because that's what we think quality is. What we've tried to do to be as open and as transparent as we can be is to say, okay, there are three particular areas where we know and we can point very clearly to say things have changed. And those are the three areas that I've referred to. And what we've tried to do on, an hour, on, a, on a grade by grade and hour by hour basis is to say, these are all the things that have changed since our understanding of how the scale fees were set. And that, and that was, one, groups that you, that you didn't have one. And two, in terms of pensions and um, uh, PPE evaluations, what we now know we have to do compared to what we recall having had to do that many years ago. And those are the figures that we've come up with. Now, it's, it's, uh, it's in the paper that's uh, in front of you, and we've given specific quantification for those, those sort of sub-elements. Uh, and again, we provided that uh, hours analysis to officers to enable them to see uh, basically how long we think, uh, we, we think things need to take to do things. And these are based upon um, actual inputs. So as much as we can be, we have tried to be as transparent about the situation. But what we are doing, just to reassure members, is completely consistent with the approaches that are being taken by all the other auditors, for all the other councils and the government bodies um, within the country, and incidentally, also with NHS bodies as well. Well, thank you for that. Um, I can certainly understand the one about the group audit. I'm not too sure about the other two. Um, is anybody else like to make a comment before we go further? Adrian, how do you see it from your point of view as the officer under fire <laughs> of receiving these bills? 
Yes, Chair. I mean, I mean, we've had lengthy discussions with David and the team, and we're satisfied um, with what's in the letter that there is the extra work and that this is an appropriate fee, and we will adjust the necessary budget along those lines. So, yeah, we're, we're content with it. You're content with it? No, does anybody else want to comment? Well, if not, we'll, we'll, we'll then accept... Sorry, oh, yeah. Councillor Bagnall has his hand up. Yeah, I've got my blue hand up. Um, sorry, I, I can't really see this, so I'll rely on... Um, that's, that's fine. Uh, firstly, apology, because I was right on the limit on time and my internet connection then dropped, so uh, sorry if I sort of joined and dropped off again. Um, just a quick question... On the uh, on the second uh, on the f no the second one the valuation of the pension liability um, is that not something that we do anyway and has been done in the past anyway in terms of the additional work or challenging findings is that not a normal thing anyway uh, it, it, it historically um, what auditors <laughs> were able to do was to simply place reliance upon the actuary so um, uh, you. Your officers receive a report from the actuary to the Essex Pension Fund, which provides information on uh, the IS19 valuations and various transactional movements, which are then built into your accounts. And previously, uh, auditors were able were able to rely upon um, the assumptions of work done by the actuary without challenge. Um, what has happened since that point is that we are required to challenge those figures. Now, a significant proportion of this work is done by the auditor to the, the pension fund. Um, so this is just simply the local uh, uh, assumptions that you have to make from, from your end from, as a particular employer, rather than the sort of the, the assumptions made about um, investment returns and so forth, which are done on a, on a, on a global basis. So the, the, the short answer is no, we didn't used to do this. And yes, we do now. And oh, okay. having gone through this from, from FRC um, reviews of my audits, it's, it's a very, very thorough challenge. It seems, it seems odd that we would need to challenge actuaries. Uh, you, would ask, you could ask the question, why are we spending money on actuaries, providing the detail, and then we have to challenge that anyway? That should be challenged, surely, yeah. within the, before that's submitted. The, the, the yeah, the short answer is there, there is some degree of central challenge in terms of the, the ranges of assumptions that actuaries use. However, uh, we as auditors are, are required to challenge um, because actuaries do get it wrong. Yeah. And perhaps uh, I, have, I have seen that elsewhere where an actuary has used something out of a range uh, without any clear explanation or backup for it. So, um, yeah, yes, you're quite, quite right in saying, well, surely it should be sort of pre-checked. Surely we should have some sort of quality controls but unfortunately audit is required to then check that as well and exactly the same principles apply to um, valuations of um, um, buildings for example or, or investment assets okay thanks very much thank you chair so we had this debate last year did we not and um, that was one of the reasons the accounts didn't get finished on time well they did get finished on time but we had to have an extra meeting to approve them on the last possible day and I'm just wondering why this has come up again, because that was a point where there was a certainly a difference of opinion between you and our officers here. Uh, I, I think that's not that's not quite um, uh, what we had in terms of the, the position there. We had an issue with the actuary where we'd asked for some information 
and have been provided with information and actually turn out to not be the right information at all. So we had to uh, unpick that. And your officers quite rightly did, did, did spot some things and, and sort of uh, uh, raise challenges back to us, which enabled us to sort of go back with different questions to the, um, uh, the pension financiary to, to get a, a better answer. And the, ult- the ultimate position was that we didn't make a change. Uh, we didn't need to make an adjustment to your accounts because that had been challenged and then proven to be uh, uh, not needing an adjustment. Uh, but it's a, it's a slightly different sort of uh, position to the assumptions that are being made to um, to help the actual value the, the, the liabilities. So that's a slightly different position. Okay. Well, as, as you've discussed, it's with our officers, and they are, they are happy on the situation, and they, they understand the situation, which they agree. Then is there, any, is there anything else that anybody else would like to ask our auditor, David Councillor Driscoll would like to speak, Chair. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yes. Um, David, sorry, I don't quite get your explanation there for last year because I'm fairly certain that you said something was wrong and then you were proved to be wrong and had to go back to saying that we could carry on as we were. I think Re- that's... Reference to pension. That was my undertaking at the time. Yeah, that, that's, that's not, not quite right. Um, what we said to the actuary was uh, we were, we're basically trying to prove the, um, the consistency between what the actuary had calculated as estimated assets for each individual employing body, including Uttlesford, and what had been found and valued through valuation of the actual investments. So one is a projection and one is the actual. And what we were trying to make certain that there was no discrepancy between what the actuary had calculated as an estimate and what we had actually audited, so what the, what the pension fund auditor had actually audited in terms of actual investments. Because if, if the two things are different uh, and your accounts are supposed to be based upon the actual assets as at the end of March, then there will be a problem and there will be an adjustment necessary. And the information we have received from the actuary following very explicit questions about uh, that, that extrapolation was that um, uh, there was a difference. And your, your officers were, were sort of questioning us and saying, well, why, why are you doing this? That's not what we understood. Uh, we've spoken directly to the actuary and the actuary said something different. Um, and we then went back to the actuary to try and work this one through. And even, I know Adrian, Adrian may remember this, but uh, even partway through the position, um, and we were discussing with the actuary, said, this is what we need. We need to have your, you know, your cash flow uh, positions as at the point in time that, that, that you're, you're estimating the, the, the liabilities so we can see that there is a consistent position. And all the way through the actuary is saying, yes, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. And when we got to the end of the, the, the story, the actuary actually said, actually, do you know what? We've got uh, the cash flow positions for all of the councils in the Essex Pension Fund and some of the other admitted bodies like um, the, the mental health uh, trust and so forth. But we don't have the information. Actually, we don't have the information for some of the other companies because it's different year ends. Therefore, actually, we can't give you the information you've been asking for and we've been telling you that this is what it is. So we had to go back and try a different route uh, by comparing some of the investment return information from different, different sort of angles to come back and try and prove the same thing but a different route. So in short, had the actuary told us up front at the very beginning that they didn't have the cash flow information we've been asking for, 
at that point in time, we wouldn't have been anywhere near the end of the audit. We would have, we would have had this sort of sorted out beforehand. So I, 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 suppose I do appreciate the frustration. I really do appreciate the frustration that, that this council had in terms of scraping in at the last minute, uh, admittedly before the deadline, but nevertheless, it was, it was, a, it was a tight move. But I, I have to express my frustration at being in the position of being told by an actuary that we had something. So, uh, it, it's not quite the same thing as uh, challenging the assumptions. The assumptions we're talking about are things like um, mortality rates and investment return rates and so forth. And that's a very different thing from um, trying to sort of confirm that the uh, projected assets are the same as the actual assets um, which are in the pension fund. I don't know, that, does, that, does, that, does that clarify the position? Um, a little bit better, but not quite where I thought we was. But I'm happy with that at the moment. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Driscoll. Is there anybody else has any query? Anything else they would like to explain? Sorry, Chair. It's Councillor Bagnall again. Just, just yeah. following up on that, can, is it safe to assume that there is now a process in place where we get some sort of uh, position that's a recognised position, even though it might be not be the actual position? So I'm assuming there must be a process because if you've got different companies at different points in their year then we have to have a figure somehow and we have to have some sort of explanation as to any caveats around that figure. Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of the audit for this year, um, we just aren't going to go down the route of, uh, that we'd originally taken um, because it's quite clear that that information is just not going to be, avail- be available. Um, but this year, of course, there are rather different um, issues to, to, to go with in terms of valuations. Um, so we already know that um, uh, further and later um, valuation work will be done by the actuary to provide information based on actual outturns because of the uncertainties that are in, uh, in place because of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So any any projections that might have been done, say, in February would be just worthless, really, because we would need the actual position at the end of March uh, to be able to do that. So one, I think I think the, the variation uh, or chance of variation have significantly reduced. And two, we would choose a different audit route anyway. OK, thanks. Right. It's obviously that we all realise that on the 31st of March, the valuation of the investments would obviously be considerably down on what it was even a month ago. Indeed. Fine. Anybody else? If not, we will say it doesn't seem to be a resolution on my papers. Um, We just accept the the letters and um, accept the value and sets up the audit fees as quoted. Thank you. Is that agreed? Can I have a sort of yeses or thumbs up or there's uh, some hands going up. Right, we'll then move. Thank you very much, Mr. Eagles. Thank you. Do stay if you want to, If but otherwise we'll move on to the next item on the agenda. Thank you very much, then. Thank you which is under the name of Sheila Bronston, who is not with us tonight because she has a rather important birthday. And she's celebrating that. And so Adrian is going to take us through where we are. Now, this is the annual government statement, which is a draft. It has been seen by the senior officers and has been approved by them. Um, 
Adrian, is there anything you'd like to draw our attention to? This will be signed and approved later on by the Chief Officer and the Leader of the Council. Yes, yes thank you, Chair. So this is, this is a requirement to accompany our accounts every single year. It is the governance statement. Uh, yes, we, the senior management team have been through it in detail, updated it uh, where necessary. And it does have, as you would expect, uh, a section around the COVID-19 pandemic. And what I would say is this is a living document. So we're asking you to approve this, and it's done every year. But it may change slightly as things develop. You know, other things in previous years, other things may have come out this year. I suspect we may update it further around the pandemic as we get more information heading towards what Sheila calls in paragraph 10, July 2020, which is the normal timescale. Uh, that the auditors are required to complete our audit. Those timescales have been increased this year by the government because of the challenges that are faced and our auditors, Mr. Pitty David has left, um, our auditors, his team met with my team virtually the, about a week ago and um, they've said that they will not have our audit complete by the end of July. It will be by September. Um, just for your reference, uh, members, the meeting of GAP in September is scheduled for the 10th. Uh, it is possible that if they are not on track for that, we may need to push that meeting back to late September. Um, probably the, I don't know what day of the week the 30th is, but um, some, somewhere around that sort of timescale, we may need to move back to if the auditors are not where they hope to be. Um, as you can imagine, doing the audit remotely is going to be a bit of a challenge when they normally like to see the paperwork that goes with the stuff. So um, it, there's a lot for them to work through. But the, gov the government statement um, has a, a section on the pandemic. In the statement itself, um, probably the most relevant bits are towards the end. So the significant governance issues in section five, there's a roll forward now from a year ago, 2018-19, around the Equality and Diversity Audit. Um, there was, the report wasn't very good in November 2018, and there was a lot of work needed to be done to get us an improved situation. A lot of work was done in 1920, but there's still more to do. And so there's a mention there about that, and the fact that it will carry on and be reviewed again during 2020-21. As I say, there's a section in here specifically around the pandemic itself and the impact on our businesses, as in our customers and our district. And there's also a, a section on the risk of the 2021 budget. This is on page 10 and 11 of the document 5.2. Um, so I think those, Chairman, are the key areas of it. The rest is pretty standard stuff which gets updated as necessary, but it, it's very similar year on year. So the major changes are the two bits at the end around the impact of COVID, um, both on the district and on the council. Happy to try and answer any questions. Fine. Do we have any questions on, on, on this? Um, as uh, Adrian says, the significant comments are on, on pages 10 and 11 of those who got the papers. Councillor Khan, Chairman, wants to come in. Councillor Khan. Uh, thanks, Adrian. That's very helpful. Um, so, um, just for completeness then, are there any other material changes compared to the document of last year? Anything that uh, we're being asked to undertake that 
you would consider material that needs to be brought to this committee's attention? No, no. What's in the, the material bits are the bits I've highlighted at the end. The rest of the day is pretty much the same wording as last year, just updated numbers or whatever. Great, thank you. Right, is there anybody else? I'm going to... Ben, can you, is, is anybody signaling? There is indeed, Chair. We've got oh, Kelsey. Sorry, Adrian. Um, you're saying the audit may not finish until September at some point. As the uh, government authorises, or will we be likely for some sort of fine? No, the, the government have authorised it. Uh, they have to be completed by the end of November. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Anybody else? Councillor Bagnall, Chair. Yes, Councillor Bagnall. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Adrian, quick question for me around the H20. Um, 4.5, it talks about... Uh, 19 pleated. Was that going to cover the remaining eight audits? Sorry, you're, you're going to have to try and repeat that because you broke up um, tremendously. I heard 4.5. Yeah, sorry. I think we've done um, 19 of the 27 audits identified. Will those eight remaining audits be covered? Yes, yes, they'll, they'll be covered as they're done. Right, so they will be done by the time this has to be completed. Uh, I, I haven't got... A, we may need Richard's item, which is the next one, to help us with that. But the ones that are completed, and bearing in mind we're now September, we're not at the end of July, so it gives Sheila more time to get them done. Any recommendations or whatever that come out of them that need to go in here will be updated. OK, fine. Thank you. We had this last year, if you remember, Councillor Bagnall, in that uh, because of the audit and the change in the election, etc., etc., there was a delay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, so we are the recommendation. So, sorry, Chair, we've got Councillor Foley, he's got his hand up as well. Oh, yeah, I apologize, Councillor Foley. Councillor Foley? Sorry, just take out a minute to unmute. Um, you. Uh, thank you, Chairman, and uh, thank you, Adrian. Just one quick uh, question. You said that we would we would have to continue to do quite a lot remotely as things change, and I know that uh, uh, work practices are likely to be changing anyway, um, albeit with, with social distancing. Um, that hopefully would... Um, as uh, so, not all of it will need to be done remotely. Surely, in the timescale that we're that we're working to, the the government's advice at the moment is: if you can work from home, you will work from home. So that's the line that we've taken here. Um, we have kept our staff regularly informed, and we have told staff, Richard, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have told staff that. If you can work from home, you are working from home. We will be reviewing that on around about the 1st of September, but don't expect to change. Yep, that's a fair summary. And that it holds over until next May? Um, I think the September review will give us a steer of where the country is in relation to any... Um, 
second spike or whatever that may come around and we can take some view then. But this building itself does not lend itself to uh, being able to social distance, one-way traffic, etc. It's an old building over three floors and it, does, it just doesn't work very well with that. So we need we need to make sure that, the, that when people start returning, it's done in a managed way, but we will be reviewing in September. But as I say, unless government advice changes, and it's not just our government, um, Republic of Ireland issued their five-stage process, and every one of the five stages said, if you can work from home, stay at home. Um, I think there is, there's, you know, there is a significant risk of everybody just coming back to work. So I, I would expect September to reiterate the message that you're working from home for another period of time, whatever period of time we decide that to be. But it will certainly run past this audit. Okay, fine. Yes, thank you. It's just a, a quick one on, on that bit of uh, the issue of staff returning, officers returning back to the building. Um, doesn't need to be answered now, but is there a general policy or a group who, who will be deciding that? So presumably we'll face the issue of some staff not feeling happy to come back, even though technically they're allowed to come back or encouraged to come back. Is there a process set in place as yet as to how to handle that within UDC? Uh, if I if I start, and Richard may then want to come in because we're at two different levels. So Dawn, Roger, and myself are something I don't necessarily like the term. We're called Gold Command. We take it in turns weekly. I'm not so involved at the moment because of the investments, but we, weekly we swap to give each other a rest, uh, taking the ultimate strategic decisions. Ben Brown and Richard are Silver Command and look at operational stuff. And then there are work streams sitting under them that look at various things, so finance, legal, and one of those is recovery. And that's doing a lot of work at the moment. Now, there's, there's two streams of that recovery in the same way as I talked about, or the AGS talks about two streams of the COVID, the impact on the district and the impact on the council. Recovery is looking at both of those, so the recovery for the district and the recovery for the council. Um, that's high level. I don't know if you want to go into more detail, Richard. Um, no, I think you've basically covered it. Um, yeah, so the, the recovery work stream is underway. Um, there's an officer appointed who's in charge of that process. There's a lot of different strands um, <clears throat> to the just the recovery uh, within the council. Um, so any decisions on who does return to the office and, and who doesn't return to the office are made um, at silver level. Um, so we get requests. From people who need to come in from time to time, we have to keep the numbers in this building down low for the reason um, Adrian said already. Um, on average, there's 20 to 25 people in this building every day, and that's it. Um, I don't think there's a great deal of uh, pressure coming from staff who want to return, um, particularly, and we do consider a request when they come in for various reasons. But um, in terms of the, the wider recovery, um, the recovery team are set their objectives, um, which are fed down from gold to silver, and um, they report back up. And actually, I'm um, talking about tomorrow and Thursday with some of the sort of high level decisions about how we're going to bring services back and when. Okay, thank you. I think if I can just just follow up on that slide, what one of the areas that obviously concerns us, and um, we've we've gone off pace here, but um, I think it's relevant while we're doing it. You know, we've done a survey of our staff. Uh, who are working from home because it's undoubtedly that mental health for some will be a challenge. Um, where that is an issue, we are trying to work with them. 
but bringing them back into the office isn't necessarily the answer because there's only 25 of us in the office. You know, you're not going to get that social interaction that some people crave. So we, you know, we do, we do, teams have Zoom calls every week amongst themselves. You know, they try and do, and some of those are not work related. So more, more of a, just a friendly environment type meeting. But we are working with those colleagues who, for whatever reason, are struggling with being at home. And I, I mean, it's fine when you've got your family in most cases, but if you're a single person working from home and seeing anybody, then that becomes much more of a challenge. But we are working, we've got a questionnaire out at the moment and we're, we're working that way through because as I say, this is not short term, this is not going to be over next month in terms of home working. So we're, we're doing an awful lot of stuff around our own people, what we need to bring them back, but what we also need for the district to get it back. Right, does that help, Councillor Eisen? Right. Now, as I say, the recommendation is that we approve this draft annual governance statement. Is that approved? Do I see the hands going up? Yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to the next item, which is internal audit progress report covering the period December 19 to May 20. This again is under, she was under Sheila's name, but she's not here, so Adrian will probably take us. No, Richard's going to take us through. And the recommendation is that the internal audit progress report be noted. Richard. Thank you. Uh, three things to raise on this, plus a little bit more uh, on the question that Councillor Bankenhall asked earlier. So. Uh, first thing to say is that uh, internal audits have uh, carried out sufficient, sufficient audits for the uh, 1920 year to be able to provide a meaningful opinion uh, for the annual report and opinion for 1920, which will be presented to GAP uh, later this year. Uh, second thing is that the uh, service are doing a complete review of their programme for this year, for obvious reasons. Uh, um, and obviously the number of resource days available for audit work has reduced considerably from the original calculation of 300 days. Um, you'll have seen in the report that uh, the internal auditors are undertaking some uh, other work to help services as well, including some uh, benefits checking work. And um, the third point to make is that um, all the uh, recommendation due dates um, which uh, for uh, recommendations that were due between April and uh, end of June have now been uh, extended um, for you know, <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, and the other thing to say is the eight, did you say eight um, outstanding audits, Councillor Bagnell? I think you did. Um, it's actually, I think there's a, a bit of a, sorry, Jeff, did you say eight audits? Was that what you No, I've read it as nineteen. Uh, 27 have been completed, so I'm right. assuming eight were outstanding. Okay, yeah, I think there might have been a, a bit of lag. I think there's six that were outstanding. Um, so um, what they've done is issued interim reports for those. Um, I know this was one of them, one of my services, where they haven't been able to complete the work. And they are looking to pick up the audit programme and complete those, hopefully, from the beginning of September. Onwards. So the intention is to get through those audits um, this year. Uh, but they're not going to be looking again at it until uh, September. So that, I think, is where internal audits are at the moment. Um, Adrian and I have been trying to try and answer any questions. Um, members have, I'd love to take those questions away and get, get Sheila to answer them uh, once we back tomorrow. Richard, um, where Councillor Bagnall, I think, picked that up, is it on 
uh, paragraph 11, it states, at the 15th May 2020, eight audits remained unfinished of these expected. We may be able to finish two before the 31st of May. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, does anybody want to ask questions on the internal audit and the items raised? If not, we will note the report and move on. Sorry, Chair, I was a bit late getting my hand up there. Um, if it's okay to proceed. Please do. Yeah. Uh, Richard, there's... Um, sorry, I've got to go to another screen again. I think there's nine fours here. Right. Where where are you uh, where are you seeing that? Ten. It's on page twenty nine. Are you looking at the agenda pack? I'm looking at whatever's on uh, Mancom. No, well, I've got a different thing open, haven't it? Page twenty nine of the agenda. There is a a pack which lists the um, the program, the audits, and then gives them a risk. Yes, I can, I, can, I, can, I can see that, Councillor Driscoll. Right. Yeah. What, um, what are we going to do about these fours? I, I realise uh, yeah, they may only be fours because of COVID-19, but what action has been planned? Now are the, we, are the, we just going to leave it until we're back or are we going to actually work on it? I can the, see some, some of these business rates, grants, external funding, whatever... Um, it's all down from getting money from the government, I assume. But just where are we? Yeah, so the, obviously the risk score is the four that you're referring to on them. Um, they are, you, you'll see a lot, of, a lot of them are actually started and finished. Um, insurance is one that isn't. Um, but that, as you'll see on the right, is having an interim report. So they've done work on most of them. Yeah, and there's well, an interim report coming out. I've found it now. Where, where it says final, that means the final report's been issued. The interims are the ones where they've done a certain amount of work, issued an interim report, say this is where we've got up to, and these are the ones we're going to pick up in September. No. Yeah, so when it says final, um, is that four still the final figure? No, no, no I think that was, that was the original um, um, potential risk. Uh, that the audit presented. So these, these are scored in terms of, of how much risk they think that there, there is within that particular service or function. So no, that's not necessarily the final... Um, the final it, it's not the outcome. They do risk-based auditing and every year you will see that insurance is a four and you'll see that grants and external funding is a four. It's prioritisation, if you like, for the, the audits that need to be done in that year. Fours must be done in the year, threes, twos going down on the sliding scale. So it, it doesn't reflect the outcome at all, Jeff. It, it is the score at the start of the year. Right. So basically, they've been looked after. It's got final in it. They've, they've been done. Yeah. Yeah, the okay. completion dates is the, um, the the dates that are in the final column. So that's when the final report was issued. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. So can, can I just ask a question about business rates? Um, this money grant, whatever you want to call it, that we are giving to businesses that's not coming out of our budget is it that's coming down from the from the government no so there's the, the government gave us 20 million 21 million um to fund 
all of those businesses and we have paid just about all of that out to the businesses. There's now um, another million and 28,000, a very precise number, it's 5% of the original number, which they have given us for a discretionary pot. Now that, I don't think that's actually very kind of them because there's a lot of businesses that didn't qualify before and now we've got to come up with some discretionary rules which try and meet some of these and that's a bit unfair on us um, because for one thing, some of those businesses may well be expecting about £10,000, which is what the others got. They are going to get nowhere near that because with a million pound, that is not going to go very far when the number of businesses start coming in. So we've got discretionary rules at the moment being prepared. They're, they're finalised. Um, I'll be signing them off as an emergency decision probably tomorrow and we'll open for applications on Friday. People will have two weeks to apply and then we will sit down and look at all those that have applied and we will have to work out from there how much money these people get. But it's not going to save their business. Okay, fine. Just I've got two village halls that didn't apply and are now trying to apply. And they've, although they're zero rated, they haven't got any valuation, so it's taking time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Okay, so on that basis, we note... Sorry, Chair. Uh, Councillor Bagnall would like to speak. Councillor Bagnall. Sorry, Chair. Sorry to uh, keep asking these questions. But if you go down to page 30, Richard, there's there's an, uh, a part that talks about 1920-130 leisure. There's a comment in there at the very bottom of page 30 relating to the uh, level three and four recommendations. It says this is the reiteration of the recommendation 07 made in our 2017-18 internal audit report. Um, could you explain a bit about that? Because whenever I see something that has been pointed out before and is appearing again, it makes me think the processes haven't changed. Yeah, as far as I remember, this is to do with, um, it may have been swimming pool fees or possibly sports hall hire fees, one or the other. And I think what had happened is that um, we'd, um, well, on our website, we published the most up-to-date information we get from uh, the ledger provider, but the ledger provider hadn't always been that good at providing us with the up-to-date information when right. it was changed. Okay. So I think it had all been corrected in 1780. And I would say this was only one or two um, individual um, fee charges that were incorrect. Um, you know, we accepted a risk level of three. I think it probably is overegging it a little bit, to be honest. But anyway, we, 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 we made those changes in 17, 18. And when this audit rolled around again, um, we found there was another figure that had been updated that, that uh, the web team weren't aware of. So, um, yeah, the process has been put in place to make sure that is now being fed through. So we shouldn't see that on there again. All right, thank you. That's, uh, it, it was a relatively minor point, but it's yeah, just... Yeah, no, 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 it's Thank you. Right. No, I will take those. <laughs> Take the recommendation. The recommendation is that the internal audit program report 16 December 19 to 15 May 20 be noted. Is that approved? Do I see hands up? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. We move on then to item number six, agenda item six, which is the quarter four and year end performance report, indicator report. It's in the name of Oliver Knight. Is he, is he with us? I haven't seen him. Yes, uh, I am, Chair. Oh, there you are. <laughs> so, 
There's no recommendation on this. So we, it, it's just a report. It's just to give us your report to the various things. Perhaps you'd like to expand. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, so this report presents outturn and data analysis for all performance indicators that were monitored during both quarter four 2019-20, and it also presents year-end 2019-20 for um, all indicators as well. Um, as normal, all, all data and performance notes have already been reviewed by the corporate management team and also the joint executive team. Um, just to really provide just a brief overview and picture of performance, you'll see that um, despite pressures imposed upon service delivery by COVID-19 in March, most indicators still attain target during quarter four. And indeed, looking at both short and long-term comparisons, both with quarter three, 2019-20, um, and also in the longer term, looking at the year 2018-19 to the year end 2019-20, there's very much um, every uh, performance has remained consistent, effectively. Um, there were, I have in the report drawn members' attention to a couple of KPIs on point 17, um, where performance has attained a red status at the end at year end. Um, I'll just run through both of those quickly. So the first one of them was KPI 08A, which is the average relet time in days for all um, standard and other relets. Um, it's unfortunate with this particular KPI because very much during quarter two and quarter three, we did see process improvements, which improved performance. But then very much the um, the a restriction upon reletting in March due to COVID-19 hampered the results during quarter four. So therefore, overall for the year, it dropped down to a red status. Um, it is important to know as well for this one that as of April, part of this will be managed by Altusford Norse as well. So officers will continue to be closely monitoring that indicator and work, working proactively with Altusford Norse to improve the performance. Um, the other indicator to draw your attention to is KPI 12, so this was the processing of minor planning applications. Now, um, we did see considerable improvement throughout the year. So in quarter one for 2019-20, 50% attainment was achieved. And by quarter four, it had gone up to 70%. So it's not overall for the year achieved target, but there is considerable improvement during the year. And officers are working to proactively continue that um, project management of minor cases for the 2020-21 year. So I'm more than happy to take any questions if anyone has them concerning particular indicators or more broadly about the data. Is there anything you'd like to say about KPI 11, 13 and 17, which were ones that hadn't met their targets? Yes. Um, so KPI... 17, which is the local council tax support collection rate. This is one which uh, we have been looking at and reviewing the how we collate the data for this. So very much this is something that's been affected by the rolling out of universal credit um, as more and more claimants are now eligible for universal credit. It means that the existing debt that is there um, becomes a legacy debt. So there's less of it paid effectively. Um, so that that. We, we, it's something we are reviewing, KPI 17. With regards to 11 and 13, um, I guess, uh, firstly, to say that um, at the end of last year, both at the, uh, in, or in comparison to the year end for 1819 and the year end for 1920, there was improvement for both K 
KPI 11 and KPI 13 for the year totals. So whilst we haven't achieved target, there is some progression positively. Um, and again, member, the team are working on a very regular basis and doing weekly and monthly monitoring of um, performance in those areas. So hope we're hoping that performance will obviously improve ongoing for those two as well. It's just noticeable that you've got three of the ones which we've proven yeah. are planning. Anyhow, any yeah. questions we have just for Ollie? Well, anything, I should just jump in at this point to say, obviously, this is all well apart from the tail end of the uh, the very end of the quarter, this is pre COVID days. Um, the next report you'll see, which uh, Ollie will go through, is the uh, current performance. Um, explain how those have gone up, but what we're intending to do for future meetings this year is not bring the uh, performance indicators that we're, this suite of indicators we're talking about, we're not intending to bring those forward um, for um, consideration, but what we will be bringing in today is the performance information contained in the next report. So just make, so this is really here to um, uh, to finish off the, the previous year, so we've reported the full year's um, data, but um, yeah, going forward, it's not going to be this set of indicators that we're going to bring to you. Fine, is there any quick counselor? Carl, are you ask, about to ask a question? Uh, I am. Thank you, um, thank you, Oliver. It's a really comprehensive report, um, as usual. Um, I just want to get a sense of uh, the issue with planning, because it seems to me as though planning is up and down at this moment in time. And I just wanted to get a sense of what, what really, the, what are the themes that are affecting performance for planning? Um, I mean, have you already, you've already spoken about them, but is that it? Secondly, it's a question for the committee. Should we look at a wider review of planning, given that's our role, if we feel that um, uh, planning is going to cause us a problem? And I guess the third question is um, the question I always ask of you, Oliver, which is, What's keeping you awake at night that should be keeping us awake at night on this committee? Okay, so uh, with regards to the planning indicators, I think the first thing to mention is that on a, on a local level, we are reporting to CMT, not just the full, um, the full KPI data, so which is the, is the percentage that are processed within the eight-week or the 12-week time limit. We're also looking at all the steps in the process, so whether that be initially it coming in and being validated, then how many um, site visits are done within the set time period. So all the different stages through. Um, we, at the moment, the data is uh, showing that the key thing really is about just-in-time, what they're classifying as just-in-time decisions. So many decisions are being made in the final week and then it, it's very there isn't enough time to get the decision back out to the... Um, resident that's made the application in the time so we are looking at all the different stages in the process i think very much we've already seen progression for kpi 13 which is the minor the other applications which tends to be most of the householder applications so very much that um more staged management is working in that situation but we will keep obviously moving with that and bring back further observations as we go with regards to um my concerns, broadly speaking, I think we, I, I was very pleased to see most of the indicators for, despite there were some disruption, I know obviously in March, which would have been classified within the 2019-20 year, um, but broadly speaking, most have still attained target. We have, we have started to see slight reductions in um, 
the collection rates for both business rates and council tax, but it's very much minimal and it's still we're, we're at a higher percentage rate than most other Essex authorities. Um, but that is something that we are keeping our eye on. And indeed, you'll see in the COVID-19 PR report, we've been looking at a more frequent monitoring of that to see how that's being affected by the pandemic. But yeah, that's very much the, the only ones that I think I've noted a slight reduction is, is within those revenues KPIs. Okay, but well, sorry, you're not just keeping you awake because. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the question, wasn't it? What's keeping him awake? <laughs> um, but can I just go back, if I may, to, to Richard's comment? So, Richard sort of said to the committee that actually it's not really this report that we should be concerned about, it's the following report because yeah. that will take us through some of the areas around COVID 19. Um, but again, what I'm trying to, trying to anticipate and make sense of is some of the themes, particularly on planning, why planning is so up and down. You know, I've been on this committee now second year, but we've had planning as a major item for some time. And I just really want to unpick that. But you've, you've given an explanation. If you're monitoring it, then it's something that we should keep our eye on. Yeah. But I'm just particularly concerned around, um, like most things in uh, organisational effectiveness, about what the next report will tell us. Um, and so it's Richard really. Adrian, I just, just think if I can, Chair, I'd, I'd just remind members that there's obviously the review that's being undertaken by the East of England LGA, um, which is the next stage of their look at the local plan. But I think as part, as part of that process, they are looking at the processes within planning as a whole and to see whether there are improvements that can be made. So I, I would urge members to um, see what comes out of that review um, because... Um, Scrutiny are also looking at a number of areas of planning, and I think that those combined with the ILDA review will be quite informative for members on where planning is at and perhaps needs to go. Fine. Thank you very much, Richard. Councillor Khan, does that answer your question? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Fine. If there's no other questions... I will. Sorry, Chair. Councillor Bagnall and Councillor Driscoll have their hands up. Right. Councillor I'll go before the other Jeff because uh, Ben announced me before the other Jeff. Um, just a quick question. Oliver, thanks for your report. Um, I'm, I'm sort of, I might not really be fully understanding this because when I look at the word in, it talks about the majority of um, KPIs being met. And the numbers I look at are things like 64%. And then I'm looking at amber or yellow triangles and reds adding up to 36%. Sorry, have I frozen again? Did, did you catch that? Yes, yes, no, I did. Yes. Sorry, uh, yeah. my, it came up and my internet was unstable. So I'm looking at the, the numbers and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm listening to your words and seeing the words in the report. Uh, mm -hmm. And from, from my background, majority doesn't add up to 61%. So I'm, I'm just a bit concerned that I might be misinterpreting the way this report is written because I see if I've got 25% of reds, that's a big concern for me. Um, uh, and I know it's a number of seven, uh, but it's still 25%. And even Ambers, and I think my understanding of the Ambers is they've missed by less than 10%. Yes. 
So therefore, technically, in, 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 in old money in my world, they might even be reds as well. So I just wanted to get some comfort from using the words like majority being met when it's only actually 61%. And I, that, that concerns me a little bit. So I'm trying to understand if I've misinterpreted that or if I, there is a genuine concern, because I would be concerned if we've got 36% missing target, because that is a very large proportion. Uh, and I do understand that under COVID, it would have been, there would be particular pressure but it's not the first time I've seen these sort of numbers. So I'm just, I'm just worried about the, the sort of the words and the numbers. Would you like to answer that one? Uh, yeah, I, I guess um, from our perspective, we, it's, we've always reported performance, I believe, in, in the sense that we've got more indicators achieving target than have not achieved target, which is probably why the term majority has been used there. But I do take your point, obviously, that there are still a quarter of indicators monitored in quarter four have not achieved target in that, in that particular in, instance. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can, I'll, I'll definitely revisit the wording that's used because ultimately I can understand what you're saying. So. I just don't want people to go away with the thought that actually we're okay with the majority, i.e. 85 or 90% of meeting yeah. target. Okay. Yeah. You sort of, so just have a think about that. All yeah. right. It's not using the word majority, but it is the correct use of the word majority because majority means the greater proportion. Yeah, I know. I think I think you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Thank you, Councillor Discord. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, thank you all over. I'm I'm quite happy in that respect. What what my thinking is is probably for Adrian or Richard. Um, planning is, uh, in my eyes, a very big problem. Um, there is a, in the village I live in, there is an application out, and it must have been out now since last August. The parish council, who I'm a member of, have not been told of anything. It's still sitting out there. But going to my ward, we have had two that have gone straight to inspector level for non-determination. Now, that's just in my ward. What's it like in Uttlesford? Um, we need to do something quick because that's going to cost money. That's going to cost council money. I think, and I think Jeff, that's part of what um, the two gentlemen from Ilga will be looking at, you know, because it, it's processed. Uh, we, they'll be looking through that and seeing what we do and whether there are ways to do it better. So, yes, that, that, I'm sure that will be on their radar. Okay, we'll wait and see. Thank you, Chair. I've, I've just had one, uh, Councillor Driscoll, in my own ward where it went to appeal and the appellant lost. Well, that, that, that's fine, but... Um, it's a slightly strange one. Yeah. Had they won, it would have cost the council money. Oh, yes, he was asking for costs. Yeah. So I, I think that we, we need to try and get round why this is happening. It's taking your point. Yeah. Somebody should be looking at dates. I had another one where the application was thrown out, but costs were awarded. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I don't know what the timescales are for the EEL, the people are Do you know when they are due to carry it out and report back? And what the reporting mechanism is? 
I believe they're due to start very soon. The leaders in discussion with them is my understanding on the exact terms of what, what we're after. But um, uh, I, I'm not up to the absolute speed on what the timescale is, but it's, it's imminent because we as the management team recognise that there are things that need improving, but there's, there's little point in us trying to put an interim phase in while another review is underway. So we've stressed the urgency. So there is, they will be looking to start that very quickly, I think. If there would be an option for you as a committee to ask the um, assistant director for planning or the director of public services or someone to come along to um, a meeting of this committee to discuss in more detail the performance issues, but I don't know whether it would be worth your time doing that while this um, review is going on, whether it would be worth waiting until that's finished. But I'll put that out there as an option for you. What do people think? I personally think if, we, if we've got a... In, a review from outside, we should wait until that's done. But what then, uh, I'm in your hands. No, I'm happy. If it's going to be reviewed, that's fine. And then I think we should then review the, the findings. Yeah. If I can, Chair, that was what I was going to suggest, was you, you get the review from the ILGA and this committee could then perhaps get those gentlemen to talk, come along and talk to it if the government's committee feel that's a suitable way forward. That sounds like a good suggestion. Right, so we'll move on. Item six was just that there is no recommendation. We get them to our new report. Sorry, Chair. I think Councillor Khan, did you want to speak? Sorry, Chair. Sorry to interrupt. I did. I'm, I'm sorry, Chair. I just wanted to. to I think the agents sort have of made a very good point. Uh, it was a point I was going to make. The linkage between governance, audit, and performance, and this review that's under, being undertaken. Presumably, the terms of reference, will we have sight of those? Will members have sight of the terms of reference of the review? Um, is it appropriate for us to see that? Because if we've already identified areas of underperformance over the last year or so, then it's only right that we feed into perhaps uh, uh, the terms of reference uh, to ensure that that uh, line of inquiry is being picked up. Adrian yeah, was indicating that the leader is discussing this with the people who are going to do the report now to get the terms and reference sorted so what we're saying is I, I, I don't think we're going to get the situation where he agreed the terms of reference and then we 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 oversee it I don't think that's going to happen no I wasn't suggesting we oversee it I was just thinking that it's, it's called linkages so we've made a very clear link about underperformance over a number of years over uh, a planning. Are we, are we sure that the terms of reference adequately picks that up in terms of the review? So maybe it's a, it's a conversation with you, Chair, with, with Councillor Lodge, uh, if he's leading on this, just to assure, uh, assure ourselves that you know, these lines of inquiry that we're talking about here are being picked up in the review. Fine, I'll see what I can do and see where we go. Okay, thank you. Right, we'll move on now to the new report, item seven, which is the COVID-19 performance indicator report. Now, we haven't seen this. is obviously a new report. We haven't met since January. And this is, again, in the name of Councillor... Uh, sorry, Mr Oliver Knight. Lovely. Thank you, Chair. Um, so this report presents the outturn for all newly introduced performance indicators, which have been introduced to monitor how COVID-19 is affecting service delivery across the organisation, and also more broadly just to 
highlight how services are performing as well as uh, separate from COVID-19. Um, these indicators, they've been selected through a review of the daily situation reports, which are provided by service managers to the Council's Gold and Silver Command. Um, these reports identify the impacts on normal activities and services alongside considering longer term service risks during the pandemic that need to be considered from a strategic perspective. And as such, most of the indicators which we've selected to monitor here very much focus upon services which have been identified as being particularly affected by the, by the pandemic. Of course, there were many more indicators which we could have mon or could have been identified to monitor as well. But these were considered to be the most important given the current circumstances and they were all agreed by the Council's Gold Command. Um, you'll notice from the, from the appendices that the indicators themselves very much traverse the, the entire corpus of the Council services. Um, and some indicators do directly parallel um, other indicators that you would have seen in the quarter four report um, that we just discussed. But for the purposes of this particular exercise, we're monitoring them on a more frequently, uh, frequently based on a more frequent basis. So whilst we would previously have monitored on the quarterly or annual basis, we're now looking at um, monthly and even weekly or daily for some indicators. Um, I'll just briefly, I know there's quite a lot of information in the appendices, but there's two, there's two reports there. So the first one presents data for all indicators from the 30th of March to the 3rd of May. Um, so that's the first few weeks' data, as well as uh, monthly data for April 2020. And then the second report is, is for week commencing Monday the 4th of May. And since that particular week, we've been collating and reporting all data on a weekly basis for review by the Gold Team. Um, and in due course, we can bring further updates to this committee as well. Um, whilst you'll notice in the appendices, whilst some of the indicators aren't directly comparable to our existing performance indicators, where possible, we have tried to provide some level of comparative analysis to try to contextualise performance, um, particularly, uh, particularly we've drawn on uh, outturn and achievements for the same period last year, so for quarter one, 2019-20, um, and we've also looked at how uh, outturns thus far during this quarter, so for quarter one, 2021, how they are currently working in relation to the targets that we've set for PIs. Um, I just, I won't necessarily go through each individual, in, each individual indicator, but I have in the report, I think under point uh, 20, I have drawn members' attention to some um, particular achievements during the period of time. But I think broadly speaking, the message is that um, the data does show that all services are performing well, despite the current resource pressures. Um, but I'm more than happy to take any questions on particular indicators or anything more broadly about the report. Well, thank you very much. And certainly paragraph 20A to, A to E, that's, a, that's a very helpful and encouraging. Um, on page 56. Is any, anybody like to make questions to Mr. Knight? The panel's a group. Very huge group. Councillor Bagnall again. Councillor Bagnall. All right. Uh, Oliver, yeah, uh, thanks for that. Um, question for me is, um, and don't take this the wrong way, is um, I'm, I'm struggling to find some of the use for some of these figures, and I'll, I'll, I'll cite you something 
So building control, CVO3. Can you still hear yes, me? Yes, yes. Your band lower, your band right, okay. lower. Yeah, my internet bandwidth is poor. So on page 60, it talks about CVO3, number of building control site visits completed. Uh, and I'm not quite sure the purpose of that one, where it's going to go. So we'll collect this data, but what are we going to do with it? How is it going to help us? Because I can't see any performance indicators around building control site visits on the previous slides. Yes, yeah. So that um, that particular indicator was one which from the daily situation reports that were provided by the manager for building control, it was noted that obviously due to the restrictions on site visits, there wasn't any inspections being completed. So there was a concern that, um, or there was very few inspections being completed. So there was a concern that there'd be a backlog. So in effect, it's something that we wanted to monitor um, at the moment ongoing to see how the service was performing and how it was recovering effectively. Um, but I do, I, I, I do take your point. I think some of these indicators as well, they're, they're, for, they're um, information based for the um, authorities' goal command as well, so that they're aware, obviously, how services are performing across the authority in one centralised document. Um, so I hope that answers your question. In. Well, yeah, I, and I can understand the logic in knowing where you are and making sure you've yeah. got a back. If, if you're not monitoring how many site visits you undertake under building control in normal circumstances, uh, I'm not yeah. quite sure I understand why you would worry about it now, but recognise yeah. that you can't do as many. So, so for that particular indicator, there, there is some um, contextual analysis in the wording there about how, uh, so we've done a calculation of the percentage comparison in com to last year, so for 2019-20 for the comparable weeks. Again, it's not, because we, as, as we said, we haven't monitored that officially. So whilst we can see the data retrospectively on our, on our servers, it's not necessarily the same timeframes that we're always monitoring but where possible, it, it's providing sort of a level of understanding. So for, um, just as an example, for that, the week commencing the 27th of April, I think we've, we completed uh, 67 site visits in 2019-20, but only 41 in 2020-21. So it just, it, it, as much as possible, it's trying to provide a level of comparison. Right, okay. Okay, all right, fair enough. I won't, I won't overdo it. <laughs> Yeah, I think some of this information will be more useful and interesting to uh, this committee than others. You know, it, it is designed to meet a couple of different audiences. I mean, this is sent out to all staff on a weekly basis as well. Yeah, I did recognise um, that, I think. Yeah, so, you know, some of it is going to be more interesting to you, especially the stuff that's been pulled straight through from the previous um, uh, the previous performance report. So you might have to just sort of <laughs> pick and choose your way through it to, uh, to find the stuff that's of interest. Thank you very much. Is there anybody else? If not, is there anybody else? Sorry, Chair. I have, yeah. Yeah, it's just a quick question for Oliver. Um, CV15, I can't find what page it is. Page 72 is about monies lost from vacant property. Mm -hmm. um, how many properties does that equate to? I don't know that figure off the top of my head, but I can certainly come back to you with, with that particular data. Um, I, this particular indicator, um, 
we have worked quite hard to get the right figure to report because there are a certain amount of properties that where they um, they're included in the HRO development program as opposed to them being able to let. So we needed to make a differentiation there. But I can certainly come back with some more detail on the on the amount of properties that are each week available to let in that regard. Thank you, Oliver. I think, I think if, if I can, Chair, it's in the region of 25 to 30 is the average number of voids per week that, um, that we've got. And as it says there, they, they haven't been able to be um, let because we haven't been able to do property inspections with potential tenants. Um, that is now, as from last week, that has now started again. So we would expect that number to reduce further as we're managing to let properties that are standing void at the moment. I have. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say. I understand that, Adrian. I it just I wanted to put property to to cost, if you like. Uh, Twenty five thirty is fine. Thank you. Okay. Ben, is there anybody else signalling? If not, the recommendation is we note the performance of of services during the COVID nineteen pandemic as attached in appendices one and two. It's just a note. A note the performance. All those approved. Then have we got a clear line of right? Everybody's approved that. So that, gentlemen, concludes the meeting. And I would like to thank the officers for coming. Thank you, Mr. Knight. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Adrian. Thank you very much for your support. And so the evening finishes. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.